弟兄姊妹平安。我今天特别感谢神。刚才私情的是我儿子，然后我的太太玉红跟上面弟兄姊妹一起来领诗，然后我的岳父岳母坐在下面来听到，是神特别的恩典。我们一起来祷告，天父上帝，我们是何等的有福！因为我们还软弱的时候，基督就按锁定的日期为罪人死，为一人死是少有的，为人人死或有敢做的，唯有基督在我们还是做罪人时，就为我们死。上帝的爱就再次向我们显明了。你不仅拯救我们，你还拣选我们来侍奉你，成为你爱，成为你信实的见证，成为你福音大能的见证。今天，当我们到你面前来学习你话语的时候，主啊，就求圣灵来向我们说话，将你的爱再次来向我们来显明，也让我们存一个感恩的心来思想你那长阔高深的爱，好叫我们跟你建立更加亲密的关系，好叫我们得到更丰盛的生命。祷告奉耶稣基督的名，阿门。弟兄姊妹，我们。做父母的时候，是不是很多的时候我们觉得我们很委屈？因为我们为我们的孩子做牛做马，八心八肝，任劳任怨。但是很多时候，我们孩子说：“我好像觉得你不爱我。”我们想想看，是不是我们自己有的时候也有这样的一个抱怨？我们从圣经里面读到，我们在讲道里面也听到，我们在我们诗歌、我们口里面唱到“耶稣爱我”，但是我们心里好像并没有真实经历到上帝的爱。我们身体有病的时候，好像上帝没有医治；我们没有了工作，好像上帝也没及时的给我们一个新的工作；我们的夫妻不和睦的时候。上帝好像也没有调解，我们的孩子不听话的时候，好像上帝也不管教，所以我们就告诉上帝：“上帝啊，你说你爱我，但是我好像没感觉到你的爱。”两千大约两千五百年以前，以色列人对他们的父亲耶和华上帝也是这样说：“上帝啊，你在何事上爱我们？”这件事呢？记在旧约马拉基书开头的第一章，先知马拉基是旧约的最后一位先知。马拉基大约跟这个以斯拉和尼西比是同时代的人，可能稍稍后一点点。如果你翻开你的圣经，你会发现马拉基书在圣经里面的位置有一点的特别，它是旧约的最后一卷书。翻过马拉基书。就变就到了啊啊马太福音，就到了新约，所以从马拉基书到马太福音只有一纸之隔，但是历史上却隔了四百三十年。这个中间，上帝没有对以色列人讲一句话，直到上帝差遣弥赛亚的先知，也就是施洗约翰来到人间，在旷野里面呼喊说。天国近了，你们要悔改
，所以马拉基书就停留在对这个预言上面，整个旧约也结束在这个地方。那马拉基书，马拉基书的啊第一章第一节。耶和华借马拉基传给以色列的末世，马拉基这个名字的意思是说，上帝的使者就是上帝的信使，传上帝话语的人。他是神的先知，他传讲神的话语。这个经文里面的末世，不同的版本里面有不同的翻译。我们这里是末世，那有的版本里面叫做预言，有的版本里面做宣告。我们的翻译不一样，侧着脸你会发现不一样。末世就是把隐藏的事情向你显明出来，那预言就是将来要发生的事情。我现在做一个预告，宣判是把某一将来要的来的审判现在说出来。但是钦定本《King James Version》里面把这个末世翻成了重担，是说上帝给了先知有话语。这个话语在先知的心里面成为一个重担，让他不能不说，让他不吐不不快。为什么呢？因为接下来的话语都是上帝借着先知来责备当时的以色列人，但是在这里，耶和华说：“我曾爱你们。”也就是说，上帝在责备人之前，他提醒他们。我爱你们，这个就是我们今天要学习的经文。那耶和华说：“我曾爱你，我曾爱你。”这一节中文的翻译其实有一点点不太准确，应该把那个“曾”字拿掉，因为过那个原文的时态不是过去时，是完成时。所以上帝说：“我过去爱你们，我现在还爱你们，将来还爱你们。”这个。但是呢，有没有发现这个犹太人或者以色列人或者是渔民，他们却说：“你在什么事情上爱我们呢？”想想看，这是不是一件很悲哀的事情？上帝说他爱他们，但是他的百姓就说：“我感觉不到你的爱，我看到你看不到你的爱。”那为什么会这出现这样的事情呢？那我们来回到当时的历史的情况，看看当时马来基所处的时代是什么样一个时代。在耶路撒冷，圣殿在先知的督促之下已经重建，那离到现在已经过了一百多年。那城墙在尼西米的带领之下也已经修建完成。以色列人恢复了献祭，恢复了圣殿的献祭。祭坛上的火还在燃烧，但是有一件事情与当时非常不一样，就是百姓回国以后的百姓建殿的那个热心已经荡然无存了。当时的先知哈该曾经对贝鲁回国以后的渔民说：“万军之耶华如此说，过不多时，我必要再次震动天地，沧海与旱地，我必震动万国，万国的珍宝必都运来。”我就使这殿充满了荣耀，这殿后来的荣耀必大过先前的，在这地我必赐平安
先知哈该这样的预言，当时肯定是激动了每一个被掳回归人的心。但是现在的光景却是完全的不一样，殿还在，但是呢，荣耀没有。真是可谓此情可待成追忆，只是当时已惘然。所以，所罗门圣殿的辉煌，只是成为现在人茶余饭后的一个追忆而已。犹太人当时还处在外族人的统治之下。社会上不公不义的事情非常的泛滥，农作物连年的欠收，所以他们心里没有平安。这个就是当时犹太人所处的处境，所以他们的处境与他们的期待是不符合的，是一点都不符合的。所以他们就告诉上帝说：“我看不到你的爱。”那我们接下来看看上帝是如何回答这一个，可以说让人非常伤心，可以说是非常叛逆。也可以说是一个大不敬的问题。那下面我会从三个方面跟弟兄姊妹来分享什么是上帝的爱。第一点就是上帝的爱是白白的赐给所有的人，但只有竭力追求之人可以真实的经历到。上帝的爱是白白的赐给所有的人，但只有竭力追求之人可以真实的经历到。我们想想看，上帝的回答。大概有一点点出人意料，至少今天我们的读者来读起来好像如此。上帝说：“以扫，以扫，不是雅各的哥哥吗？我却爱雅各，误以扫，使他的山岭荒凉，把他的地也交给旷野的野狗。”那如果我们当我们听到孩子这样问我们的时候，我们怎么回答我们的孩子呢？我们肯定说：“我们怎么会不爱你呢？你要什么我就给什么。”你要手机，我给你 iPhone； 你要买车，我给你买 BMW。还有的会说：“我们怎么会舍不得爱你呢？我们舍不得吃的，我们舍不得用的，都给你了。”可能还有一些一些政治不正确的父母会说：“我们当然爱你了，你姐姐要我都没给你，要我都给你了。”上帝在这里也有点政治不正确哈。上帝为什么这样回答以色列人？上帝为什么提到雅各和以扫这两个人？我们知道雅各是以色列，就是犹太人的先祖。亚伯拉罕一百岁的时候生了以扫，生了以撒。亚伯拉罕一百岁的时候生了以撒，以撒娶妻利百家，就生了双胞胎的儿子，就是以扫和雅各。以扫是哥哥，但是雅各呢？要抢着要出来，后来雅各就生了十二个儿子，就成为以色列的先祖十二支派。但是上帝说：“以扫不是哥哥吗？”但是我爱雅各胜过以扫。这里“误以扫”的“误”字，不是厌恶，不是不是不是恨恶的意思，这里是胜过的意思。圣经里面两个两处有类似的啊用法，一个是在马太福音第十章啊，耶稣在那里说：“爱父母过于爱我的，不配做我的门徒；爱儿女过于爱我的，不配做我的门徒。”爱父母、爱儿女，在原文里面是恨的意思。但这里耶稣不是说你们要恨，因为要爱我就要恨你们的父母，或者恨你们的儿女，而是说你们爱。如果爱父母胜过爱我，你们爱儿女胜过爱我的话，不配做我的门徒。那另外一个
的用法是在旧约里面，是在这个呃创世纪二十九章。那里说，耶华见利亚失宠，雅各有四个太太，对不对？其中一个是利亚，见利亚失宠。那个原文里面说，恨利亚，是真正的意思说，雅各爱拉杰，他另外一个太太胜过爱利亚，所以这里面呢。物其实是两者之间做一个比较一个程度的而言哈。那我们回到马来基书，上帝说：“我爱你们，表现在什么地方呢？表现在我爱雅各，你们的先祖，胜过爱以扫，就是你们的仇敌以东人的祖先。尽管以扫是哥哥头生的，但是我让他的地荒凉，我让他的后裔遭难，但是没有拯救。你们说还你们还说我不爱你们吗？”可是这这样一个回答，对我们今天人来讲的话，可能还是有点糊涂，还是弄不明白，为什么说上帝说我爱雅各，勿以扫，就让当时的犹太人那个哑口无言呢？这一点要从这个啊以色列人的长子权来解读。以色列人对长子和对待其他的孩子是完全不一样的。对了，再来一下。啊，在创世纪第五章，你创世纪第五章不太好读哈，那里面都是人名，说赛特生以洛士，以洛士生该兰，该兰生马勒列，马勒列生雅列，雅列生以洛，以洛生马头沙拉，马头沙拉生拉麦，拉麦生洛雅。如果你读圣经，你不小心你还以为他们呃这个亚当的后裔都是一线单传，如果一线单传，今天不会有那么多人了哈。但实际上，那个里面记载都是头生的儿子，所以在犹太人的观念里面，在族谱里面，他们只记头生的长子的地位是跟其他的孩子是不一样的。那创世纪第二十七章里面，啊，记载说以撒年老，眼睛昏花，不能看见，就叫了大儿子以扫来说：“我儿。”以扫说：“我在这里。”他说：“我如今老了。”不知道哪一天死，现在哪里的器械，就是剑囊和弓，往田野去为我打猎，照我所爱的做成美味，拿来给我吃，是我在未死之前给你祝福。以撒在临死之前要给他的长子以扫来祝福。那雅各听了以后，其实利百家听到以后，因为利百家偏袒他的儿子小儿子雅各。雅各就欺负他的，他们俩就欺负他的父亲。以扫看不见，就装成他的哥哥，就骗了这个以扫，就骗了以扫的祝福，该得的祝福，啊。那以撒是对以扫的祝福是什么呢？说。愿多民服侍你，多国跪拜你，愿你做你弟兄的主，你母亲的儿子向你跪拜，凡咒诅你的，愿他受咒诅，为你祝福的蒙他祝福。你们看看这个祝福是不是非常的大？是其他的孩子都不会有的，因为其他的孩子要认你做主，要向你来跪拜。所以我们知道以色列长子有非常的多的祝福，有很大的权利哈。那这个雅各骗了他的祝福以后
，那这个姨嫂听到真相就就放声大哭，说也求他的父亲寄来祝福他，听。但是这个姨嫂他的父亲说，你的弟兄已经用诡计将你的福分夺去了，也就是说给了雅各的祝福，他再也不会给了这个姨姨嫂。他后面也给他祝福，但是你读那个祝福其实不是祝福，都是咒诅。那我们现在稍微可以明白一点，为什么就是说犹太人听了上帝这样的回答以后，他就不会变嘴了？上帝的意思其实是说，你们的祖先雅各其实是没有资格配得这样祝福的，因为他不是长子。但是我仍然祝福了他，也祝福了他他的后裔，就是今天的你们。尽管我让亚述和巴比伦人毁了你们的国家，毁了你们的圣殿，把你们掳到外邦的人当中，但是时候到了，我仍然让你们回到你们的故土，让你们重建圣殿，让你们安居乐业。你们看看以扫的后代，他们有回来吗？他们的家园是怎么样？还是一片废墟。所以，我们现在不禁要问：为什么上帝都特别偏爱雅各呢？因为雅各比以扫要好吗？真相是雅各其实比以扫更坏，因为雅各是个骗子，而且还不是一般的骗子，是一个大骗子。他在他妈妈肚子的时候就跟哥哥吵架，就打架。他出来的时候，他抢着要出来做哥哥。然后长大以后，趁着哥哥劳累一天饥肠辘辘，他就用一碗红豆汤骗了哥哥的长子的名分，买了长子的名分。等到父亲快要死的时候，他也骗了父亲临终的祝福。后来逃避他的哥哥，在逃难的时候，他还骗了他的舅舅拉班。所以从人的角度来看，雅各其实有很多的问题，有品性上的问题，有行为上的问题。但是如果你换另外一个角度来看的话，雅各所做的一切，他就是为了求上帝的祝福，他而且是竭力追求上帝的祝福。因为他只相只相信上帝的祝福，他不相信人人的祝福，包括他的舅舅拉班，他也不相信。雅各一生，下一页，雅各的一生得到了上帝的祝福，但是更重要的是，雅各的一生当中经历了上帝。圣经有两处来记载雅各怎么样经历上帝。第一处是在他离开哥哥逃往巴旦亚兰的地方，他在一个叫做伯特勒的地方，他看见。天梯看见天开了，看见天梯有神的使者上去下来，上帝站在天梯的上边，应许他，上帝与他同在，并且给他祝福。那第二次的是在他离开他的舅舅，回到迦南地，在见他的哥哥以扫之前，他在亚伯渡口，亚伯渡口跟上帝摔跤，而且得了胜。那。创世纪这样说：雅各变得跟那个地方起名叫做比鲁伊勒，意思说，我面对面面面对面见了神，我的性命仍然得以保全。圣经说，天父叫日头照歹人，也照好人；降雨给义人，也给不义的人。耶和华善待万民，他的慈悲复比一切他所造的。上帝的爱是白白的给所有的人。但只有竭力追求的人，才可以真实经历到上帝的慈爱
。那雅各的故事给我们什什么样的一个启示呢？启示就是上帝当初怎么样对待雅各，他今天还是要怎么样对待我们。雅各虽然有各种各样的问题，但是他因为看重上帝的祝福，所以他就得到了上帝的祝福。我们想想看，我们今天每一个人其实不比雅各强到哪里去。但是如果我们也看重上帝的祝福，并且去决去竭力追求的时候，我相信我们也可以得到上帝的祝福，因为上帝的爱是白白的给所有的人，白白的给每一个寻求他的人。耶稣基督在十字架上已经为每个人都死了，上帝的救恩为我们每个人都预备了。但是，你要不要去接受？你要不要接受这个礼物？所以，当我们下次，当我们感觉到我们好像离神的爱很远离的时候，我们要思考的问题是：我们有没有竭力追求上帝？那怎么样算是竭力追求呢？耶稣说了，耶稣告诉我们怎么样去竭力追求他。下一页，马太福音十五章，耶稣说：“我是葡萄树，你们是枝子。”藏在我里面的，我也藏在他里面。这人就多结果子，因为离了我，你们就不能做什么。人若不藏在我里面，就像枝子丢在外面枯干，人拾起来，人在火里烧了。你们若藏在我里面，我的话也藏在里面。凡你们愿意的祈求，就给你们成就。当我们常常与主联合，活在主的话语当中，我们更能明白上帝的心意。当我们顺着上帝的心意去求的时候，相信上帝会为我们成就。好，我们下面继续来看呢经文。耶和华说：“以扫不是雅各的哥哥吗？我却爱雅各，误以扫，使他的山林荒凉，把他的地业交给旷野的野狗。”以东人说：“我们现在虽被毁坏，却要重新。”重建荒废之处，万军之耶华如此说：“任他们建造，我必拆毁。”所以我要分享的第二点就是，上帝的爱无处不在，但常常在他的主权中彰显。上帝的爱无处不在，但常常在他的主权中中彰显。上帝对以扫的后裔的审判是毫不留情的，不仅是在马拉基书。在旧有的圣经当中，不止一处，上帝借着众先知的口宣判了对以东人的审判。这些先知包括以赛亚，包括耶利米，包括以西结，包括阿摩斯，包括约尔，包括俄巴俄巴迪亚，一直到现在的马拉基书。尼布贾尼撒王毁灭了耶路撒冷，五年以后也毁灭了以东，就是以扫的后裔，也把他的精神。啊、呃，叫做希拉城也给毁灭掉。那后来以东人慢慢试着重建他们的这个京城以以希拉城。据说在耶稣的时代的时候，那个时候他们还非常的呃呃繁荣。但是历经埃及人，历经这个后来啊犹太人的马加比王朝，以及罗马人到后来的这个伊斯兰教的接二连三的入侵，最终。这个他们的精神变成一片废墟，现在不见一点的踪迹，所以完全的应验了上帝的审判。那我刚才说
。上帝爱雅各，并不是因为雅各比以扫强，上帝因此来祝福啊雅各，而是因为雅各看重上帝的祝福。那我们从另外一个角度来思考的话，上帝祝福雅各，是因为上帝的主权，是因为上帝的拣选。我们来看下面一段经文，是在罗马书九章十一到二十六节。这段经文非常的长，我就不念了。那我有 highlight 有几几个地方，基本上这里讲了三层的意思。第一层的意思说，上帝的拣选是上帝的主权，并不是因为人的行为。第二点，上帝要在他拣选的人的身上来彰显他的荣耀。上帝给你特别的恩惠，那他也要在你身上。身上来彰显他的荣耀。第三点，上帝拣选某些人是要成为他人的祝福。创世纪，上帝对亚伯拉罕说：“我必叫你成为大国，我必赐福给你，叫你的名为大，我也叫也要叫你，因着你叫别人得福。”我们今天说亚伯拉罕是信心的伟人，但是我们可能没有注意到。亚伯拉罕还在乌尔的时候，他实际上是一个拜偶像的人。亚伯拉罕也并不是一个完美的人，但是亚上帝拣选亚伯拉罕是要借着亚伯拉罕来祝福地上的万族。上帝拣选亚伯拉罕的后裔犹太人是要祝福亚伯拉罕属灵的后裔，就是我们这些外邦人。那上帝的爱就在他的拣选当中，就像在他的主权当中彰显出来。我相信我们没有的，我们可以向上帝去求，但是给不给却是上帝的事情。同时，我们有一点我们要记得：上帝给谁多，就向谁要的多。上帝拣选我们，不是因为我们比别人强，上帝拣选我们是要我们去祝福别人。当我们感觉不到上帝的爱的时候，我们要思考的是什么呢？我们要思考是，我们们有没有将上帝的爱分享给别人？爱是需要分享的，爱是需要分享的，不然就像一潭死水，波澜不惊。我们得到再多，我们都不会觉得多，我们也不以为然，我们久而久之就觉得理所当然了，有点麻木不仁。路加福音在六章三十八节里面说：“你们要给人，就必有给你们的，并且用十足的升斗，连摇带按，上尖下流的倒在你们怀里。因为你们用什么良器给人，也必用什么良器给你们。”如果我们对他圣经比较熟悉的话，我们发现圣经当中有些事情我们很难的理解。那其中之一就是上帝的主权跟人的责任的问题，这个都两者之间存在一个张力。这怎么说呢？上帝是有恩典、有慈爱，所以他给了人自由的意志。你可以用上帝给你的自由意志做任何的事情，但是你要记得一点，你要承担一切的后果。在这一段经文里面，我们也同样同样发现了这个上帝的主权与人的责任之间的这个张力。上帝是全权的，上帝，他有权祝福，他也有权降灾祸，但是上帝是不是任意妄为、随心所欲的呢
？当然不是。人得祸或者得福，实其实上是与人自己的选择有关系的。那我们今天回到我们今天的经文，《马勒基书》一章的那个后面的四节到五节说：“人必称他们的地为罪恶之境。”称他们的名为耶和华永远老路之名，你们必亲眼看见，也必说：愿耶和华在以色列境外、境界之外被尊为大。圣经里面说，上帝看人不像人看人，人看人是看外表，但是上帝看人是看内心。雅各因为心里面有神，雅各的后裔当中有近前的后裔，有近前的君王，有近前的百姓。主耶稣基督就是从雅各的后裔里面出来的。那如此相反，以扫的后裔心里面并没有神，以扫的后裔心里面并没有神，行为上也也不敬畏神。请翻下一页。如果他心里面有神的话，他就不会轻易的为了一碗红豆汤，那卖了他自己长子的名分。创世纪二十六章里面记载说。以扫四十岁的时候，娶了赫人比利的女儿尤迪，与赫人以伦的女儿巴士姆为妻。他们常常使以扫、以撒和利百加心里愁烦。他们常常是以撒和利百加心里愁烦，就是他的父母心里愁烦。那为什么以撒、以撒和利百加心里愁烦呢？因为他们知道。上帝并不喜悦他们娶外邦人、娶迦南人为妻，因为迦南人是不认识上帝的，他们是拜偶像的。那果真，以撒的后裔不认识上帝，也不敬畏上帝，而是拜假神。那我们怎么知道呢？在历代志下二十五章十四节里面有记载说，亚马逊。就是犹犹大的一个王哈，杀了以东人回来，把希尔的神像带回，立为自己的神。所以以东人是拜外邦人的偶像。现在有考古的这个发现说，在以东人现在的废墟上还有一个完整的献祭的祭场，这个献祭是献人，把人献祭。献给他外邦人的神，以撒的后裔不仅不认识上帝，行耶和华眼中为恶的事情，拜偶像是最大的这个罪，最大的恶。除此以外，箴言里面还说，耶和华所恨恶的有六样，连他心所恨恶的共有七样，就是高傲的眼、撒谎的舌、流无辜人血的手、图谋恶计的心、飞跑行恶的脚。图谎言的假见证，并弟兄中散布纷争的人。那我们现在看看以扫的后裔，他们做了些什么事情？第一件事情记载阿姆斯书第一章十一节，耶和华如此说：以东三番四次，以东就是以扫的后裔哈，我不必不免除他们的刑法，因为他拿刀追赶弟兄，毫无怜悯，发怒撕裂，永怀愤怒。这是讲什么回事情？是讲摩西带领以色列人出了埃及，要进入迦南地时他们曾经向以东人借路，因为他们是近路。但是以东人不仅不借
，而且还拿刀来赶他们，以后永远的与这个犹太人为敌。那第二件事情是记载《俄巴底亚书》第二十节里面，他第十一节开始哈，从当外人掠夺雅各的财物，外邦人进入他们的城门。为耶路撒冷占阄的时候，你竟站在一旁与他们同伙。你兄弟遭难的日子，你不当瞪眼看着；犹太人被灭的日子，你不当因此欢乐；他们遭难的日子，你不当说狂傲的话；我民遭难的日子，你不当进他们的城门；他们遭灾的日子，你不当瞪眼看着他们受苦；他们遭灾的日子，你不当。伸手抢他们的财物，你不当站在岔路口捡出他们中间逃脱的；他们遭难的日子，你不当将他们剩下的交付仇敌。这些经文描述的是巴比伦人毁灭耶路撒冷的时候，以东人向他的弟兄雅各所做的事情。他们。没有任何的怜悯，他们没有任何的同情，反而幸灾乐祸，趁火打劫。那第三件事情，就是以东人不仅与犹太人为仇为敌，他还欺压自己的百姓。这记载约尔书三章十九节：以东变为荒秽的、荒凉的旷野，都因向犹太人所行的强暴，又因在本地流无辜人的血。所以他们不仅为与犹太人为敌，他们还欺压自己的百姓。还有一件事情是记录在耶利米书第四十九章：住在山山穴中、聚首山顶的，认到你的微笑，你因心中的狂傲自欺。你虽如大鹰高高搭窝，我却从那里拉下你来。这是耶和华说的。住在山穴、聚首山地的，就是以东人，因为以多人、以东人住在山地，他们的后裔就是以扫的后裔。这里说他们狂傲、自欺、自高自大，所以我们现在看，因为以扫的后裔不认识耶和华的上帝，不会不认识雅各的上帝，就是耶和华。也不遵循他的典章律例，行耶和华眼中为恶的事情，因此得不到上帝的祝福。我们再回头看，上帝是怎么回答当时犹太人问他那个问题的时候，上帝说：“以撒不是哥哥吗？我却爱雅各和雅各的后裔，胜过爱以撒和以撒的后裔。”第一点，我分析说，我们可以从长子权这个角度来看这个问题。那但是还有另外一层意思是什么呢？雅上帝实际上说：“我爱雅各，但是如果雅各的后裔不行我眼中看为正的事情，临到以撒后裔的命运也会临到你们的身上。如果雅各的后裔就是你们。”如果不行我眼中看为正的事情，临到以东人后裔，临到以撒、以撒的后裔，以东人就是你们仇敌的命运，将来也会临到你们的身上。因此，外邦人会从
以东人现在的光景，以及将来你们的下场，就会思想为什么会如此。所有的人因此会记得耶和华上帝是守约施施慈爱的神，但是同时上帝也是圣洁的神，是记血施报的神。所以上帝的爱永远不会改变，但总是在他的圣洁当中被人尊崇。这是第三点，请你记下来。上帝的爱永远不会改变，但总是在他的圣洁当中被人尊崇。上帝回答了当时的犹太人的问题以后，就借着先知的口就开始责备。他从上到下来责备犹太人，责备他们的祭司，责备他们的百姓，责备他们什么东西呢？责备他们背信弃义，责备他们欺压贫苦。责备他们污秽祭坛，责备他们疏忽献祭，也责备他们破坏盟约、娶外邦人的女子为妻。在马拉基书当中，我们看到上帝借着先知马拉基的口，用爱来安慰他们，用弥赛亚的盼望来鼓励他们，用圣洁的律法来劝勉他们，同时也有严厉的后果来警告他们。那犹太人听了没有？没有。于是上帝沉默了，沉默了四百年，没有向以色列人讲一句话，直到他自己亲自的来到人间，差派的儿儿子耶稣基督道成肉身住在我们中间，把上帝活在我们的面前。所以犹太人看不见上帝的爱，好像是因为上帝并没有给他们所期待的。但是，那只是一个表面的原因，深层次的原因，我们现在明白了，是因为他们自己远离了上帝，他们的心远离了上帝，他们的不洁让他们远离了上帝，这是真正的问题所在。那回到我们今天，在我们的很多人的观念当中，我们总是提到上帝的慈爱。我们总是提到上帝如何爱我们，但是我们要记得，上帝的慈爱与上帝的公义是上帝的一体两面，是没有办法分开的。上帝的公义又是与上帝的圣洁无法分开的。上个星期有屏幕是提到了成功神学，成功神学基本上不提上帝公义的，也不提上帝的圣洁，这是需要我们警惕的。上次有牧师也说，上帝的爱是让我们离恶行善，进入永生。上帝的爱是让我们离恶行善。那我们今天怎么过圣洁的生活呢？在我看来，圣洁就是按照上帝心意去行。弥迦书里面讲，行公义，好怜悯，存谦卑的心，与主同心。什么是公义？公义就是说。不合上帝心意的事情，我不去做。什么是怜悯？怜悯就是你弟兄没有工作了，你为他祷告；你的姊妹生病了，你打电话去问候。怜悯是在人的需要上看到你的责任。那什么是谦卑呢？谦卑就是认定，真的相信我们所有的一切都是上帝给我们的，因此我们愿意为上帝来所用。
，包括我们的时间、我们的金钱、我们的知识、我们的智慧、我们的一切，都是上帝给的，不是我靠着我的聪明才智得来的，不是我挣来的。所以，我愿意把我一切交会给上帝。谦卑是认耶稣基督真正做你的救主，我做你生命的主，他是主，他可以支配我们一切。这个叫做，这个叫做谦卑。那我下面做一个我自己的见证，来结束今天的讲道。有些弟兄姊妹到我又被裁员了，又没工作了。上次是二零零九年从 M 景被裁员，现在我们现在的公司决定把加州所有的啊办公室都关掉。呃，有些地有些人是可以转到公司总部，但是在 Michigan， 呃，我也可以。但是我考虑到家庭的需要，也考虑到教会的需要，所以我就决定留在加州重新开始找工作，而且决定留在千阳城，哪个地方都不去。上次被裁员，过了一年多以后我才找到工作，所以这次我也不知道到底会要需要多长的时间。但是在五月初的时候，今年五月初啊，拿到通知以后，我好像心里特别的没有一点负担，好像一点都不着急。当然，一方面是因为我们可以一直啊留到十月三十一号，但是另外一个方面，我觉得更重要的另外一个方面就是，上帝不断的把他话语给我，基本上每天都把他的话语给我，所以我心里非常的平安。那玉红呢，好像也很确信、很笃定。他有一个很好的总结，他说：“你上次被裁员是上帝要管教你。”但是你这次被裁员，是上帝要怜悯你。真的，我觉得他说的话一点没错。我现在上班很远哈，我每天啊大概开车要啊三个小时，来回一百五十迈。现在结果是，在我还没准备好的时候，在我这边的工作还没还还没办法结束的时候，上帝就把另外一个份工作就给我了，我下个星期就去上班。是不是上帝的怜悯？但是我要告诉大家，我做见证不是说我比弟兄姊妹更圣洁，我比弟兄姊妹更了解上帝的心意，也不是说我更配得上帝的祝福。我想告诉弟兄姊妹是，我在上帝的祝福当中经历了上帝的爱，但是我在上帝的管教当中更加经历了上帝的爱。这是我想跟弟兄姊妹分享的原因，因为这个爱，上帝的爱是超出我们的测度的，是我们人没办法理解的，因为他是上帝。所以，当下次我们孩子问我们“你为什么不爱我们”的时候，你就告诉他：“你跟他们做了什么东西？”特别是当他们犯错的时候，你为什么做了什么？当他们自己觉得到快要放弃的时候，你为他们做了什么？当他们不配得的时候，你为他做了什么？你告诉他们这些。当下次我们自己怀疑上帝的爱的时候，我们来想想上帝为我们做了什么。我们同时来思想我们今天的啊这个三点哈。最后一个 slide， 上帝的爱是白白赐给所有的人，但只有竭力追求的人可以真实的经历到。上帝的爱无处不在，但常常在他的主权当中彰显。上帝的爱永远不会改变，但总是在他的圣洁当中
被人尊崇。好，我们下面要守主的圣餐，请服侍弟兄姊妹啊，到前头来。Amen. So, how many of you have a Bible? Own a Bible? Anyone? Okay. I think probably most of us own a Bible. And today we're going to be talking about the Bible, but not just about the Bible, but what the Bible is meant to do for us and how we can learn. You're probably familiar with the fact that the Bible is the world's bestseller, and、uh, we'll look at some of the statistics on that. But I got my first Bible、uh, when I was in third grade, and this. Uh, so I got my first Bible, and I inside、um, it says, "Presented to Curtis Low on the occasion of his entering the third grade," and this was in 1963, and I haven't lost it.、Uh, but when I first got it, I didn't read, right? I just got it. I I didn't go to church regularly. This was just a gift that was given to me, and I didn't understand it.、Um, at some point of time, I did try,、uh, but I just got up to Noah, and then I stopped. Because it stopped being exciting after that, and so that was it. I didn't read the Bible.、Um, then I became a Christian, and that was when I was 16. So that was many years later, after third grade. And a friend gave me a, a a translation of the Bible, a paraphrased version of the Bible. This is it. It's called the Living Bible. Reach out. It's just the New Testament, and I read it, and I enjoyed it. And I, I just read straight through it, and if you look, you see I have lots of notes in it. And so I was very excited when I first became a Christian, and I began to read God's word more and more. But then this wasn't enough. At that time, what was really popular was the New American Standard Bible. It was fairly new at that time, and so this was my first real study Bible, the New American Standard Bible. And I began to read God's word more and more, and it began to make sense to me more and more as I read it. As I've grown as a Christian, I've learned that God's word is something that's like food that gives us strength. It's like water that quenches our thirst. Now, when I first got the Bible,、um, mine says this one. It says, "Holy Bible" on the front. Holy Bible. And so when I went home and I saw one of my cousins and she had her Bible, I said, "My Bible is better than your Bible." And she said, "Why?" And I said, "Well, your Bible only says Bible, but my Bible says Holy Bible." And she thought, "Oh, okay, maybe yours is better." Was it? No, of course not. The Word of God has to be something not just that we hold, not just the name on it, not just saying, "Oh, I have a Bible," but it has to be something that is within us. It has to be something that we take. Just the very fact that the Bible is the world's bestseller isn't enough for us as Christians. You know, just this year alone, 100 million Bibles will be printed. 100 million Bibles will be printed this year. That means that if they were keeping up today alone, 274,000 Bibles are printed and sold just today. And 25% of all the Bibles printed every year throughout the whole world, 25% of them. So 25 million Bibles are sold here in the United States. But in the United States, researchers found that even though 91% of all American families owns at least one Bible, they hardly read it. In fact, the average family household has four Bibles in it. The average family household has four Bibles in it, 
But when we look at other statistics about what it's doing, do you think you see a difference in our country because so many people have Well, even people who don't read the Bible recognize the fact that if we were to read and apply the Bible, we would have a better country. And Americans think, and this would be Christians and non-Christians alike, more than half of Americans think that the Bible has too little influence in our culture right now. And that actually the fact that we're not living the Bible, it's part of our moral decline. So even Christians and non-Christians agree to that. And one out of every five people who have the Bible, only one out of five every people that has the Bible reads it, even a little bit. And the Bible is yet still a very important part of American society. 61% of all people who were interviewed said they wish that they read the Bible more. And so God wants us to know that when we have a word, when we have a holy Bible, when we have God's word to us, when we read it, it will change our lives. When we read it, it will be something that will change our culture. When we read it, it is something that when we live it together, we will make a difference as a community. Today is my one-year anniversary being at the church. So I started um, September 1st last year and it's September 2nd. And so as I begin my second year of ministry here, what's so important for me is to help us all to read God's word more and more. And so in just a little bit, um, I'm going to give you, or our church is going to give you, a version of the Bible. And it's called the story. And it's, the story is an abbreviated Bible. It's a condensed Bible. It reads more like a because there aren't um, verse numbers, and there, it doesn't say like Genesis chapter 2. It just, you just keep reading from Genesis 1 through Genesis 4 without the numbers there. It reads like a novel. Now, it's a shortened version of the Bible, but it's 100% the Bible. It has all the words that are in it are from the NIV version of the Bible. And so when we read through it, it's going to be in chronological order. We're going to read from Genesis to Revelation. It's going to take us about eight months to go through this. And we're going to learn what the story that God has for us and how it's going to impact our story. And so what God wants us to know is that the Bible is his story. The Bible, you know the word history, right? It's his story. And so the Bible is his story of what God's been doing. In Genesis, he created a world. He created a people. The people rebelled. But God didn't stop loving them. God kept reaching out to them. And then Jesus came into our world, the living word of God, so that we would know what God is like personally. Jesus lived, and then the church was created. And then the church continues to carry out the ministry of Jesus. But we live in a fallen world. And so we know that we need this world to be renovated. We need this world to be renewed. We need this world to be revived. And so God's do that. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to usher in a new age with a new earth and a new heaven. And then this is the part of God's story that we want to embrace because that's our eternity. And so we read the story. We're going to learn how God's story interacts with my story, but how it also changes our story of our lives. And so God wants us to know that when we have his word, it will change us from the inside out. We're going to be reading the story personally. 
You would just read, even if you read two pages a day, you'll get through the story in the next eight months. We're going to do it in some of our small groups are going to do it, where we'll be able to review and to renew our knowledge of the story, not just so that we know individual facts about what's happening on those pages, but so that we can see the whole scope of what God's doing. We're going to be learning it. Our youth are going to be doing it in Sunday school. Our children are going to be doing it in children's church. So moms and dads, you'll be able to talk about the same thing that you learn in Sunday worship that they learn in children's church that day. And so this is going to be a combination of all of us working together so that we will have God's story in our life and understand from Genesis to Revelation what the Bible is all about, but also how it will transform our lives. And so right now, um, we're going to do something, and the deacon suggested that we do this. I thought it was a great idea, because we want you to have a free copy of the story, but we also want you to see that I remember and when I got my Bible in the third grade, you know, I had to go forward, and probably the pastor gave me the Bible. Um, well, we want you to be able to come forward and pick up a free copy of the story. On this side are for the um, older adults, okay? That's like, you know, adults. But these are for our youth and for our students, okay? So our youth, you pick up this one. And it's exactly the same, only the youth has better pictures in it. Um, okay? And so it's exactly the same words, okay? Um, and so I want you to think about this, okay, as you come forward. Because I want everybody to come and get one, all right? Um, we come at different places, in our life. Some of us are very hungry for God's word. And others, others of us go, I don't, I'm really not that interested in reading the Bible. But what this is intended to do is to inspire us to not only want to read the Bible, but to love reading the Bible. To enjoy reading what God has to say to us. To enjoy the blessings of what God will give. And so um, as soon as I just step out of the way, um, I just want you to start coming up, and I, I don't know how chaotic that might be, but I should have put the youth ones on that side. You'll just have to cross each other, moms and dads and kids, and go, hello. Uh, so would you just think, as you think about it, just walk on up, and um, as you do, this is your indication that wherever you are, that you would say, God, would you use this story to change my story so that it'll be our story? Okay, so just coming up as you want.
story at home and bring your Bibles, because every, every Sunday I'll be preaching from the Bible, not using the story. Uh, that way you don't lose it, because I know if you bring it back and forth, it's easy to forget. But you can just read it at home. So if you open up to page one, it's Genesis chapter one. And then you'll see it's 12, 13 pages. So if you read two pages a day, um, you'll finish it in, in this case, six days for the first week. So you can put that down now, and next week um, I'll talk more about the story. Next week, we know a lot of people are traveling today, so we'll have more. So those of, those of um, our friends and family who weren't here today will be able to pick up the story next week. So as we go into God's Word, this introductory message about the story is about hunger. And the desire is that you would hunger for God's Word that God would help us all to desire to read God's Word more and more. And that's what the story is about. It's meant to stimulate our hunger and to stimulate our desire so that we would want to read God's Word. In Psalm 19, 7 through 10, uh, let's read verses 7 through 9 together. Let's say it out loud. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. And the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So we see the first word that's used to describe the Bible in Psalm 19 is God's law. God's law. And the word law is the word Torah. And maybe you've heard of that before. Torah means law. It's actually a term of archery. And what it means is to shoot an arrow and to hit the mark. And typically to Jews, the Torah would represent either the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, or the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. And so that would be typically the understanding of the Torah, but then, of course, to a Jew now, it could also include all of the Old Testament. So the word Torah is an archery term to mean to hit a mark, but it's interesting because in Hebrew, the word sin means to miss a mark. To miss a mark. And so that means that when we don't read God's Word, we're more prone to sin. But in a positive way, the more we read God's word, the more we aim for what is right, the less we will sin. God wants us to know his word and so that we would not only not sin, but so that we would be blessed. As we look at all of the, the words that are used to describe the Bible, it says there is law and there are statutes, and statute means a testimony or a witness. There are precepts, and a precept is a mandate and command is very similar. It's a synonym. It's a mandate for what God would want us to do. And ordinance means a judgment. In other words, the Bible is true. It judges what is right. It determines what is right. And God wants us to have a desire for his word. And he wants us to see what it's like. So the word of God is perfect. The word of God is trustworthy. The Word of God is right. The Word of God is radiant. The Word of God is sure. And so God gives us His Word so that we would be able to have confidence in our lives. But not only that, it brings into our lives, it changes our story. It revives our soul. 
It makes us wise. It gives us joy. And it gives us light. It shows us the way that we should go. God wants us to know that we have a holy word. We do have a holy Bible. We do have a holy, holy, holy God. And therefore, as we read the word of God, as it says in verse 9, that the fear of the Lord will grow in us. And that is a good fear. That is the kind of genuine reverence that we have for God. It is respect for God. It is respect for his words. And it means that I fear it in such a manner that I fear not doing it so that I would not displease the one whom I love. And so I have a genuine and good fear. And it helps me to grow in certainty in life. And it helps me to grow in righteousness in life. And the word of God is delicious. The word of God tastes good. Verse 10 of Psalm 19 says, They are more precious, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. I've been told that sugar is not as sweet as honey that honey actually is sweeter than sugar. And God's word is sweet to us. It is like honey. There is a sect of Jews. Um, they began in about the 18th century, and they're called Hasidic Jews. And Hasidic comes from the Hebrew word hased, which means that God is loving and kind, the loving kindness. And so they chose that word for them to be Hasidic, meaning that they wanted to be loving and kind. They wanted to be generous. But they were also desiring to not be like the other Jews that they were sort of against and the other Jews that they sort of had a hard time with. And we would say the same thing as Christians. Like, we don't like legalistic Christians. We don't like Christians who just live by the law. And so what they were doing is they saw that there were Jews who were very legalistic. And they just lived strictly by the law, but they didn't have kindness. And so they created their own sect so they could be able to teach people. I guess we would say that's like their denomination. And so they would teach people the beauty of God's word. They would teach people the beauty of being gentle and kind to each other, of being equals to each other. And what they did is they created ceremonies to try to reinforce to their community the importance of what they believed. And one of the things that Hasidic Jews did is when a little boy, three years old, first went to the temple, what they did is they took out the Hebrew letters and they had some alphabets, like we might say, you know, like alphabet block. And you know what they did? Is they put honey on the alphabet. And so then they would bring the little boy up and the boy would lick the alphabet. Now, why did they do that? They wanted the children to know that as they learn God's word, it is sweet. They wanted them to have a positive view of God's word and to know that it would be something that would bless their lives. It was something that would feed their hunger. And what's true about Regular physical food is the opposite of what's true about spiritual food. For example, if you go out to lunch and you go to a buffet, okay, the more you eat, 
then the less you want, right? So the more you eat, you get full, and then you don't want to eat as much. But the opposite is true for the Bible, is that the more you eat, the more you want. But the sad opposite of that is that the less you eat, the less you want. See, in physical food, the less physical food I eat, the more I want physical food. But in the biblical terms, the less that I read the Bible, the less that I want to. And so the trick or the secret to wanting to read the Bible more is to read it a little bit at a time. To just read it a little bit at a time. And the more you read it, the more you will want to read it. The more you indulge yourself in the Word of God and in the story, the more your hunger for God's Word will grow. And then as it grows, it will begin to speak personally to your heart. And not just to any place in your heart, but even to the deepest places of your heart. I wanna, um, we're going to go through the story of Jesus meeting up with two men after the resurrection. And this is an Easter story that we might be familiar with. But it's the story of two men who were with the disciples and Jesus had been crucified. And it was now a time where they didn't know what was happening. It was Sunday morning now. They had heard some rumors about Jesus being alive, but they were confused. And so they're, they're walking down this road called the Emmaus Road. And it begins in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now I'm going to read verses 13 through 24. Now, that same day, two of them, we're going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, Cleopas, asked, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And so we see in this story of these two men that they had been followers of Jesus. They had believed in Jesus. They had been there in Jerusalem when Friday, three days earlier, Jesus had been crucified. And now it's Sunday morning. And they've had all of these stories told to them and they don't know what to believe. And the Bible says that even at that very moment, their faces were downcast. And there are times in our lives, and maybe you're there right now, where you feel downcast. And they were downcast for a very good reason. 
they had lost their very, very best friend. They were downcast because they had lost their hope. As it says there, we had hoped. But they were downcast because that hope had been dashed. Because they had seen their Lord. They had seen their friend crucified. And so God tells us through their story into our story that there indeed will be times when we may feel downcast in the deepest places of our hearts, but that God is still with us. And God wants us to be able to express our hurts to him. Notice Jesus came up to them and started asking them questions. He didn't reveal himself to them yet. And there are times that God allows us to live in shadows and not necessarily see the visible presence that he is to us, to not be able to feel it. And I think that those times are so that we would be honest with him and tell him, you know what, I feel downcast, or I have doubts, or I have hurts, or I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help somebody whom I love. I love somebody very much, and they're not walking in the way that I wish they would walk. There are times in our own lives where we feel hurt because the things that we had so dreamed of we lost, or our dream seems unreachable, or we have relationship problems and we feel downcast. And so these disciples were expressing while Jesus was standing there, though they didn't know it was Jesus, that they were downcast. They also said, we lost our hope. We lost our hope. We saw our friend crucified. And maybe there are times in your life, and maybe right now too, that you're tempted to lose hope. And God knows that. And in this story, what we understand is that Jesus is saying, it's okay, come to me. Let me know that you're hurting. Let me know that you need hope. I want to reach out into the deepest parts of your life. And so as we go through the story, what we're going to see is the real stories of people who learned to be honest with God, like these men, who learned how to express to God their hurts. So that the Bible isn't just something like for intellectuals. The Bible isn't just something for spiritual people. The Bible isn't something that needs a tremendous amount of study. It's reading it so that God would heal our hurts. It's reading it so that God would deepen our love. And yes, we will want to study. I love to study God's Word. The more we read it, the more we want to study, and the more we study, we realize, wow, I don't know that much, and we want to learn more. But we begin with a relationship to God. We begin by reading His Word, and we begin by talking to Him. We begin by letting Him know more and more of the hurts that we have. We express them, and He reaches out to us. And he begins to speak into those deep places. And so as we go on to verse 25, we'll see that Jesus continues to talk to these disciples. And he's trying to help them to understand that not only is he going to reach into the deepest places of their life, he's going to bring them to himself. The story will keep pointing us to Jesus. And now Jesus is going to point himself to them. Verse 25 through 27 says this. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. 
And so Jesus now begins to point them to himself. He hasn't revealed himself to them yet, but he is pointing them to himself. He's saying all the scriptures that you have read before, didn't you see that Messiah did have to suffer? Didn't you see that Messiah did have to go through all that pain? Because it is that way in which Messiah would then receive his glory. And so he points them to all of the Bible. And we are going to see how the story of God in the Old Testament points us to the story of the New Testament. The story of God in the Old Testament, even from Genesis, from the very beginning we'll see next week, that we're already talking about Jesus. That God wants us to know that Jesus is throughout the Bible. And the Bible points us to him and our relationship with him. The Bible is an amazing book. There's no other book in it, like no other book in the world like it. It's a Bible that's written in three different languages. They were in Greek, in Hebrew, and Aramaic. It was written on three different continents, on Asia, on Africa, and on Euro- in Europe. It was written by over 40 different authors like kings and peasants and fishermen and poets. It was written in a variety of places. It was written from prisons. It was written in the wilderness. It was written in palace. It was with 66 different little books within it. 39 of them in the Old Testament and 27 in the New. And yet all of these little books come together as one book, the story of God. One book, the Holy Bible. One book, God's word to us. And when God speaks to us, he wants us to give him his full attention. Just like a parent sometimes. We have to get our child's full attention. And so sometimes we have to be very hard on them. We have to discipline them. And Jesus is very hard on these, on these disciples there. And notice in verse 25, he goes, How foolish you are and how slow of heart. Now, how would you like that if I said, You know what, you need to read the Bible, Rick, because you're, you're foolish and you're slow of heart. Oh, that's, that's kind of rough. Come on, Adolf, you, you've just been, you know, you haven't been very wise, you know, and you haven't been really paying attention to the Bible. Like, you know, it's like, really? Really? But, you know, sometimes we need that. I think every teacher knows that, right? You have to be hard on your students. Certainly every parent knows that because our kids just don't naturally decide to go and do their homework. God wants us to know that he loves us. And sometimes that love is expressed in discipline. He says to the disciples, you know, you've been foolish and you've been slow of heart. He's terse with them. But then at the same time, he's relational and loving to them. He is drawing them to himself. And he got their attention, and now he says, you know, you've been reading the Bible. You've been reading this Old Testament. You've been reading the Scriptures. And you know what? Jesus, the Messiah, had to suffer. And now he has their attention. Now he has their desire. And they continue to walk along. And as they walk along, and as we walk along with God, our lives are going to become transformed, just as these disciples' lives were transformed. In verse 28, 
the Bible says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? Well, he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. So even as they were being reprimanded by Jesus, as Jesus pointed the scriptures out to them, saying that the Messiah had to suffer, their hearts were still being warmed. They were beginning to understand. Their hearts were beginning to have a fire that was growing more and more into a desire to learn what this man had to say. And so then by verse 33 says, They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true. What is true? Remember at the beginning we had looked at verse 22, and it said, In addition, some of our women amazed us, and they went early this morning, and they didn't find his body. Because angels had told him that Jesus was alive. And this is what was true, is that Jesus is alive. And then it goes on and says, The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. They had been with Jesus for much of the last three years. Jesus oftentimes had broken bread with them, both in the Lord's Supper but also in meals. And we're going to take the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. And it is something that's very familiar to us all. We have taken it, maybe like myself, for many, many years. But God wants to do something new in our lives all the time. Just as he was doing something new in these disciples' lives. He was showing them that he had come down from heaven to earth to affect our stories. He had come down from heaven to earth to show us what he is like. And so as we go through the story we are going to see how Jesus intersects with our lives, intersects with our story, will transform our stories more and more into the story that God always meant them to be. Maybe you're going through a time of darkness, but as we read the story, God's going to transform them from light to darkness, from darkness to light. That God wants us to know that even though we may be in a time of darkness, as we read the word of God, the light that is to our path, there will be more light to guide us on our way. Maybe we're in a time of sorrow, but God is going to give us joy from that sorrow, even as we see it happening in the Bible. And maybe this is a time in your life where you feel like you're in a desert and going through a desolation, but God wants us to know that even from that time, God will lead us out of the desert and create in us the opportunities for new life. And so these are the invitations that God gives to us to transform us, to give us light, to give us joy, and to give us new life. And this is the invitation that you have by having the story with you, to begin to read it. And so next week, we're going to cover chapter 1 in our first sermon. And so I invite you to read verses 1 through 12 in the story this week. 
Read it and think about it. In the back of the story, if you look, you'll see the, 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 there is the scriptures that you have just read. So it'll tell you the, um, what scriptures you read in the story because it doesn't say it in, while you're reading it. And also in the back, you'll see that there are questions that you'll be able to answer as you read that chapter that will help you to digest more and more of its meaning. And so these are Bibles are for you to keep so you can write in them. Um, you can mark them up. They're for you so that you will be able to learn God's Word more and more. And I hope that for you, it will be a life-changing experience. And as we go through it over the next eight months, that you will understand more of God's story in your life, God's story in the world, and how His story will transform us more and more to be like Jesus. Let's pray.